Welcome back to Comics with Normies. This is a show where I, Jared Albrecht, the art sale artist, get a normie or person from my life who hasn't really read comics before to read a comic book and then give us their thoughts on it. This way we get the outsider's point of view on the comics that we love or maybe not love so much. So either way, you get to see what our hobby looks like the normal folks that we see walking around each day. Now, you might hear some background noise because me and my guests have met at the Dragon Garden Chinese restaurant in Enterprise. So you might hear them cooking our lunch back there, but we're just going to sit and chat for a little bit. And on this episode, we're going to be looking at Greenlander number 161 from February of 1983. So let's meet our normie for this episode. We have got got my friend John, who we met on Twitter, and he's graciously agreed to be on this episode to talk about some of this early 1980s Green Lantern. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you very much. Well, let me get some conversational barometers set with John here. John, what hobbies do you have? Obviously, we have the comic book thing, but what hobbies do you have? I like playing video games, watching movies, TV shows. I go to the gym every once in a while, and other than that, it's just work. <laughs> <laughs> I like gaming, too. And, of course, movies. What comic book-related things are you familiar with? Like, do you delve into the comic book movies have been very popular lately? Are you Absolutely. into that? And, mm-hmm. and, like, do you have any comic book TV shows you like? You know, just kind of let me know sort of where you do dip a toe into the comic book universe. I watched a little bit of the Arrow series mm-hmm. uh, and then followed up with Flash. I watched Justice League growing up, Batman. All the Batman movies, Michael right. Keaton, Val Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. I like them classic Batman movies. As far as the actual comic books, if it hasn't been an animated series growing up or on the movie screen, I haven't really no experience with it. Has it crossed over at all in your video game? Have you played any superhero-related video games? I played one of the uh, Arkham Asylum. Oh, those are good. Mm-hmm. I like those a lot. Yes. And uh, let's see, like Spider-Man growing up. It's only for the PS4 now, so I can't play it, or else I would. I got you. I would yeah. playing Spider-Man. They've actually made a few good Spider-Man games. I remember playing one on the PS1. Mm-hmm. It was also released on the N64. They had a sequel, and then the, when they started doing the ones for the movies, yes. those were all really good, too. They were really good. Which is weird, because movie games a lot of times aren't that great, but those were pretty excellent. So here's the uh, the big question here. This, mm-hmm. this issue, 161, is from February of 1983. Mm-hmm. And the question in the script says, what were you doing in February of 1983? You look... A a little younger than me, so <laughs> I guess you weren't up to much of anything. I was actually up to nothing. I am an 88 child. So. Oh, okay. You were five years out. That's fine. It's all right. So he was just planning his, his arrival in <laughs> February of 1983. All right. With that taken care of, our man John here is going to give us a, a brief summary of what happened in this here Green Lantern issue. So take it away, John. This is best as you can, because I know there was a lot going on in here, but yes. what impressions did it leave you with? Basically, it starts off Green Lantern and a lead female counterpart is up against the wall on a shooting line. Outcome does not look good so far. Does not and look good. there's a lot of book to go, so. <laughs> <laughs> on page one, there's a lot of danger. Yeah, they're, they're in front of a firing squad. Yes, and then out of nowhere, in great timing, the Omega Men, who I've never heard of before this. Me neither, I'll be honest. <laughs> come in and uh, save the day. These large-headed adversaries, I'm not really sure what their name are again, aren't really that great at fighting. I'm pretty, I, at this point, I assume they're great at outthinking the partners. <laughs> yeah, they're um, thinkers. Yeah, they got those big thinkers, egg, yes. egg-shaped heads. can't remember what they're called either. Someone in our listening audience, I'm sure, will remember what these guys are called. Yes, but even in the pictures, you can see Omega Men, big shoulders, biceps, these guys, straight lines in their, <laughs> their arms. So you can kind of understand why they're clean. Spindly dudes, big heads. I got you. So <laughs> they run off. 
Um, and I kind of assumed the comic was going to come to an end at page two, but <laughs> there's a lot of um, inner drama that's happening amongst the Omega Men. The leader is this lady. The lady that is with Green Lantern at the Firing Squad is the leader of some group, like a rebel squad. Her people are still held in captive by these eggheads. Yeah, yeah. She's like a Princess Leia type. And yes. her name is Doreen. I only just okay. spotted it just there. I don't yes. know if she's got like a code name. I am not but sure. But there's definitely either. a romantic thing going on and there. I'm not really sure if she has any powers up to this point in time. It's unclear. She's just a leader. <laughs> um, and they still have to go save her people. Uh-huh. But at the time, they let these eggheads reconvene and basically have a little bit better plan of attack or plan of defense. Uh-huh. So it takes the Omega Man and Green Lantern coming together without his ring. Yeah, he, he's like, did he lose it or did it just no, no, it's, just, it's out of juice. Out of he's, juice. Not, he's not near the lantern. And I'm not really sure why he doesn't carry it with him. <laughs> he's out of juice. He's got no lantern. Not sure how this happened. But yeah, that's a very good point, John, and for the listening audience. This entire issue, Hal Jordan is without the Green Lantern powers. He's basically just a man in this one, but he's, he's doing pretty well. Yes. Especially with the Omega Men helping him out with their powers. There's a little bit of, I guess, shade thrown his way. <laughs> he wants to help out in this rescue mission with him with no juice in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, what good are you? And he's just like, stay home. <laughs> but he's like, no, man, I can contribute. <laughs> Near the end, she is forced to make a difficult decision whenever her people are held up at gunpoint Uh to either surrender, go back into captivity, or risk the lives of her people. That's right. The eggheads make her make a difficult choice, and she opts for... Difficult choice. Difficult choice. She goes, I think, fisticuffs. I think she goes, screw it. We're fighting for our freedom. Classic rock behind the back technique. (laughs) (laughs) She literally threw a rock, didn't she? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and uh, so, big quarrel. At the end, back and forth, not really sure how this is going to end for the good guys. How he needs a new outfit by the end of it. <laughs> His outfit is torn up. He is throwing fists, fighting yes. side by side with the Omega Men. Absolutely. They're doing pretty well against these egg-headed dudes. Yes, so I guess Hal Jordan with no powers can still be just as good as one of these Omega Men. He's a scrapper. Yeah, <laughs> he's got heart. In the end, all turns out well. That's right. The Omega Men, they they had some sort of an alliance going on with some other larger galactic being. And, mm-hmm. uh, Lord Tyrus. Yeah, look at you with the memory. And, and they're like, at the end of Lord Tyrus, was like, nah, I'm not so sure about you guys anymore. So we kind of stopped backing them. They were just kind of left on their own. And it reminded me a lot of the Avengers scene whenever Thanos and Loki, that interaction, whenever Loki lost basically that first initial scene. Whenever you see, like, all right, it looks like I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know who Lord Tyrus is. Yeah, he was sort of a guy off in the shadows that the egghead dudes would talk to every once in a while. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. They thought he had their backs, but they did something that ticked them off. And in the end, the people are saved. The Omega Men are still bickering about who's going to be their leader. And what was her name? Doreen? Doreen. She, she's yeah. like in love with Green Lantern and he kind of likes her. He was smooching on her, but he was like, I gotta get back to Carol, so how's this going to work out? <laughs> love triangle ensues. Yes. And oh, Forgot there is a whole part of who are these people? A bunch of people that come their way, and obviously Omega Man, everyone, they stop fighting whenever they hear the names of these people. Yeah, 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 like, I just, yeah. Oh, I remember what we're talking about now. Yeah, it was yes because they were like working with the Thanos kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Oh shoot, I can't remember what they were called either. But they were Scions. like Scions. Scions. They're kind of like these heavy hitters, right? That, yes, that's what broke up or broke up the fight. I have no idea who these Scions are. Yeah. The Scion guys who showed up, they're the ones that showed up at the end and kind of yes. stopped the so fight. Basically, they're at the, uh, a big fight, and the leader of the Eggheads mentioned Scions. And I'm pretty sure they're not talking about the vehicle. 
Nah. So, um, <laughs> I drive a blue one. <laughs> <laughs> these uh, signs, as soon as everyone mentions signs, when Green Lantern doesn't even know who they are, they just scatter drill. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, and I think that those were the ones, too. I think the eggheads thought that they were on their side. and then, but they, Folks, this issue is complicated. There's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a Mega Man. There's Green Lantern. Scions. The dude who looks like who's Thanos-like. There's a lot going on. And, oh, by the way, there's like a six-page backup feature in the back of the book about a Green Lantern ring that's found on a farming planet? Am I right about that? <laughs> Is that right? He was a Green Lantern who retired as a farmer. That's what it was. A guy who decided to keep his grudge in jail gets out like 100 years later decides to exact revenge. There you go. <laughs> There's so much in this one issue. This is back in the early 80s now, and they packed a lot of stuff into the books. So with all that just confusorama, I feel so bad for our normie here. who had to jump in with both feet, but it was uh, still a, a fun adventure from my point of view, but we need to figure out what John thought. So, John, what did you think about the story overall? What was your big takeaway from it? I'm not really sure what I took away from it. If anything, starting out with this book, uh-huh. I took away a lot more questions <laughs> that I wanted. So, if anything, I wanted to like know what the next issue was about. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That means the comic did its job that it, want, it spurred you to want to read more. Yes. The question going into it, I wanted to know the powers of his rank. Uh-huh. What were the limitations? Could he just imagine anything? How powerful was it? Can he only summon certain, like a giant fist? I've seen like chains around people before, like in the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, basically, you... you you're translating what you've learned from movies and cartoons and trying to see how it fits in the yes. comic book. I got um, you. But unfortunately, I had another question answered on how powerful he was without the ring because I didn't get to see any of his powers throughout the entire episode. Yeah, he goes power free in this one. He is just a man in this issue. Yes. Uh, he throws hands pretty well. Yes, he does. <laughs> There's an inner quarrel, and he does a good job of basically being a leader. Yes, that is a good point. He has good leadership in this one because, like you said, the Omega Men were having their inner quarrel. Yeah, their inner quarrel within their own team, and he needed them to, to come together, and uh, he, he kind of brought them together. So that, yeah, that was a good point. Good point. What was your favorite moment in the comic? Did you have a favorite moment that you're like, oh, that was cool, or, or this was interesting, or I didn't see that coming, or favorite moment? Yes, there's this tiger-looking guy whose power is to turn into an actual tiger. Mm-hmm. Basically, the leader of the Omega Man, he's uh, much like, uh, I guess, like Cyclops, where he can shoot a beam or a laser mm-hmm. with his eyes, and he can sometimes lift things. He lets the eggheads, I need to actually remember their name. <laughs> I just call them eggheads, yes. too. I can't remember what they were called. <laughs> they run. As soon as they say, like, you know, on page two, after they save him from the gun line, they take off, and the leader of the Omega Man says, no, let them go. And the tiger guy wants to chase him down. Mm, yeah, he's a little more aggressive. Yes, like, you know what, we can finish this now. It can be a three-page three, three page episode. Let's, <laughs> let's end this. And he makes the comment, as long as I'm the leader of the Mega Man, you will listen. And he's like, you may not be the leader much longer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I so, really think that they're trying to cash in on some of that late 70s, early 80s X-Men. Because you've already mentioned, their leader like Cyclops. Mm-hmm. This tiger guy is very reminiscent of Wolverine. Challenging much, him, yes. being more aggressive. <laughs> I see what you're doing, Omega Man. <laughs> I see what the Chinese guy's uh, cooking back there. He, he think he knows we're trying to do a podcast. He's just banging pots on purpose at this point. <laughs> yeah, see? Huh? See? <laughs> it was a nice big bang right there. <laughs> we're the only people in here, folks. I don't know who the heck he's cooking for. <laughs> yeah, so I, eventually I thought this was going to be a very cut and dry episode where a team comes in at a very well-timed moment, saves the group, right. there's a little bit of a fight, and then ultimately the good guys win. No, there's actually a lot of drama that happens in between this group. Uh-huh. They have to 
form an attack with Green Lantern without this Green Lantern. Right, without yes. the ring. So that's that was challenging. The next question on the script is kind of funny because you've already alluded to a lot, a lot of it here. But it says, did anything in the story leave you scratching your head? So I guess there was plenty of head scratchers involved in this one. You were wondering about... His ring. Yes. How much charge does it need? How long does the charge last? You know, I don't know the answers to that either. Yes. I'm also, like, the leader of this rebellion group, this lady, the love interest of this episode. Mm-hmm. I assumed it was, like, I didn't know his main, you know, Carol until she was alluded to at the very end. Right. I thought this was, like, his Lois Lane, Mary Jane, you know. Right, uh, right. But turns out... She's just the girl he sees when he's in a different yeah, galaxy. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the Bond girl of the episode. <laughs> And I have no idea how they met. Because, I don't either, yeah, because they were like, together at the beginning. And clearly he was in a pretty bad situation to where he was outsmarted by these outthinkers, these eggheads, and he was about to get gunned down for this lady. So she has to be fairly important. Yeah, I would say so. Hey, check it out. Headmen. Head They're oh. called headmen. We just found it on the page. We call them, they're eggheads. They got giant eggheads. They're the called head. the headmen. We weren't that far off. Oh, goodness. But yeah, she was confusing as well. Now, I did know enough about Green Lantern to know that, that Carol Ferris is his main lady. So I knew this wasn't it. But she was really into him, and he was kind of like, eh, I don't know, man. <laughs> he was kissing on her, but, but by the end, he was like, I don't know if I can take her back to Earth. <laughs> yeah, he had commitment issues. <laughs> got, got some things I got to take care of. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's get into the art of the comic book, and we'll start with the cover. If you looked at the cover, you selected I gave you four to choose from. You selected this one. Usually that has something to do with what you see on the cover. So did you have likes, dislikes, what stood out to you? Just your thoughts on the cover. On the cover, I saw a Green Lantern with a tattered and torn outfit. Uh-huh. Him and who these people who I didn't know that were the Omega Men at the time. Right. Basically all circled up with their backs against each other. Surrounded by these eggheads, mm-hmm. that we, or headmen, sorry, that we know now. <laughs> we now know they're the headmen. And I could tell just by the size of their heads that they that seemed like normally you'll have superheroes with strength versus strength. Mm-hmm. And this seemed like they weren't very strong, but right. they were clearly powerful since they had these people on the run. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It just it seemed like it would be a good story to see how, like, is this going to be like the Lex Luthor type people? Is right. it going to be um, the brainy villains? Mm-hmm. Right. To where they just run in try to overpower, and they had the better strategy. And it seemed like I had questions just looking at the uh, cover and how this was going to play out for the Green Lantern. Yeah. So this is the one that caught my attention the most. Oh, good, good. That, that's, you know, key, especially back in the 19, early 80s, late 70s. Everybody was buying these off of spinner racks and newsstands. Mm-hmm. So you had to have a cover that did what it did for you. It had to grab your attention and say, what's going on here? You know, this looks like a dire situation. What's happening? Who are these Omega Men? You know, a lot of good questions makes you want to buy the comic. So it sounds like it did a decent job on that for you. Moving on from the cover, let's talk about the interior art. Let me see who the artist on this book was for you folks at home. The writer was Mike W. Barr, and the penciler was Keith Pollard. He did both the cover and the interiors, and it was inked by Pablo Marcos. So we got the combo of Pollard and Marcos on the pencils and inks, and what were your thoughts on the interiors, the art? Very well done, actually. This is actually one of the first comics that I, well, this is the first comic that I picked up and read from start to finish. Right. Usually I always kind of go look through the art and try to draw it as a kid. Okay. Um, (laughs) With not much success, by the way. But no, like, there's a lot going on in all these battle scenes, because it's not just Green Lantern yeah. versus one guy. It's Green Lantern, Omega Man versus these headmen, mm-hmm. and there's a lot going on, but they do very well in depicting everything. And I didn't know how most of the art kind of plays out, but there's a lot of detail as far as, like, the rooms are in, the background. There's yes. it's not just, like, the main person right. with a 
blank canvas behind it. Like, mm-hmm. they do a very good job, the whole atmosphere behind them. Yeah, I'm going to underscore what John is saying here. There's a high panel count. There's a super high character count. And Pollard is just packing in people. He's packing in panels. He's packing in backgrounds, just like John just said. This is a high-quality, well-drawn book. Look at that drawing. Yeah. Book. That's really freaking awesome. But this ain't about me. I get all fired up. This is about yeah, the one I would try for. Yeah. <laughs> he's picked a panel on the bottom right corner of page five of the Green Lantern, just giving like an inspirational speech, and he's got his fist up, even though that ring isn't working. And it's just super well-drawn and very attractive panel. So... Yeah, Pollard is just killing it in this book. I think we're in total agreement on that. Was there anything you didn't like about the art, or was it all just thumbs up for you? Oh, no, the art was all thumbs up. I couldn't find anything to complain about in there myself. So now that we've talked about story, we've talked about art, let's get to something you mentioned earlier when we were off air. Let's talk about the ads. He said, oh, man, some of these advertisements in here were just singing to him. So which of these ads uh, did you really like that were interesting to you? What grabbed your attention? Yes, how they incorporated it into another comic. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what, folks? It's not a Hostess Cake ad. It's very similar, (laughs) but it's not. You comic book readers out there know what I'm talking about. They used to do full-page Hostess Cake ad that looked just like this ad does. But anyway, tell us which ad grabbed it for you. Yes, it was uh, started off as a Superman comic. At least what I thought was the start of a Superman comic. (laughs) They tricked him with the advertisement. And uh, Superman was going to Toys R Us to find a villain. And turns out he gets distracted by this. What is this? It has 23 trillion different shapes you can make. It's just an interlocking cube. It's called the original Magic Snake. And Superman loves it. (laughs) He does. He's making all kinds of things with the original Magic Snake. Now, for those of you who are younger, like John, John and off air, he was like, what? is this thing? And I'm like, it's a toy we had when we were kids. If you remember the original Magic Snake, you could make it into a straight line, and you could bend it into all kinds of different, because it would click-clack different triangular shapes, all hard plastic. I don't know if I'm doing a good job describing it. If you remember the original Magic Snake, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, Google the original Magic Snake toy, you'll know what he's talking about. Yeah, he even uses his uh, super speed to find all 23 trillion shapes. <laughs> Superman <laughs> loves this toy. <laughs> And it's, yeah, it's done very much in the Hostess Cake style ad. And John was telling me before we recorded, he said he kind of tricked him a little bit. He was like, wait a minute, how am I in the middle of the Superman story all of a sudden? And uh, it was just a a toy ad. Any of the other ads jump out at you before we move on? The Lifesavers had a little uh, word finder thing, which Uh I did take the time to find a few I didn't write in the comments. but (laughs) Good man. Let me see. There was one near the beginning, uh, Bubble Yum. Ah, the kids. Uh, the little kids who yeah. in the Bubble Yum, uh-huh. which did make me crave it. And then the Magnum PI 308 GTS Ferrari. Oh, the model kit. Yeah, yeah. The, if you guys remember the Ravel model kit, this was early 80s. Magnum's super popular. So there you have Magnum's Red Ferrari. Yeah, it comes with a little scratcher to where you can like, uh, get your own Magnum PI arcade kit. So What? They made a Magnum PI arcade game? Man, is that what that is? Yeah, instant win the video game. Oh my goodness. I wonder if they still have them. I wouldn't mind entering. <laughs> I know, look at that arcade kit. The hottest video game in the country is at your local arcade. Oh, man, what a deal. So aside from model kits, plastic, magic snakes, bubble yum, very cool ads. Everybody, go out and buy yourself a magic snake and choose some bubbly on while you do it. Try to find that Magnum PI model kit. <laughs> and those are the ads. And now, when we come back from this next podcast promo break, our Normie will rate this comic book experience on a scale of 1 to 10 right after this. Monthly, monthly, monthly. Monthly. 
It's action film face off. Hello, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast I do with my brother, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Action film face off. Yes, thank you, Jared. Action Film Face-Off is a podcast where my brother and I, who are both military combat vets... Jason was a Navy SEAL! Jason was not a Navy SEAL. Jason was a military intelligence wing. But anyway, in each episode of Action Film Face-Off, we select two different action films. Some of them have Chuck Norris! Technically speaking, none of them have had Chuck Norris yet, but it could happen because we use a randomizer set between 1970 and modern day to select our two films. So you'll always get two films, each from a different year. Our randomizer has spikes on it. We use a Google random number generator, so it does not have spikes on it. And we put the films into our Video Dome arena. It also has spikes. It does not have spikes. But we discuss the films and score them through six different rounds of criteria. I score Bond films very high. Okay, that's true. But anyway, by the end of the episode, we crown one of the action films the champion of action film face-off. Next episode, Jason fights a bear. Jason is not fighting a bear, but please give our show a listen. We're part of the Longbox Crusade Network of Shows. Pat Samson killed a man with a sword once. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers under Longbox Crusade, or you can subscribe to just our show by searching for Action Film Face Off. Come see the blood fly! And that's Action Film Face Off. We do indeed invite you to come and see the blood fly. I just said that. <laughs> And so it's time for the verdict. All right, John, given your experience with this book, on a scale of 1 to 10, how was your overall first cover-to-cover comic book experience? I'd have to say it's probably around a 6-ish, 6 to 7. 6 or 7, that's not bad, we'll take it. I feel like I'm on an in-between episode. Uh Uh-huh. But as far as the overall enjoyability, the questions I had on it, how quickly I turned the pages. Uh Uh-huh. Because as soon as I sat down, I mean, I know it's a comic book, so it's not really too many words to read or go through. Uh-huh. But, yeah, the pages turned fairly quickly. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you had a positive experience. As soon as I thought I knew what the plot, where it was going, how it was going to end, it, it threw a curveball at me. <laughs> it certainly did. And a, a magic snake. <laughs> <laughs> now, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but I'll ask you direct because it's in the script. How interested are you in reading the next issue? Did they Very. do a good job? Very. Yes. Okay. So they did a good job. That's a sign of a good comic when they make you want to seek the next issue. So I'm glad that, that he's interested in reading more. We may have made a, a new fan out of a normie. We'll never know. But this is the part where we get to our final thoughts. John, final thoughts on your comic book experience? Anything you wanted to add? First overall comic experience, like I said, I could all a few whenever I was younger, but just for the artwork, just to draw, just to have something to doodle, to see if I, I could do my own. But I never actually read it. Uh-huh. And I feel like I wasted a lot of my childhood that I could have used reading comics. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no. a, this is welcome to a very sad episode of Comics with Army. But hey, 30 comics, years later, the comics are still there. So if you want to dabble in them, they're there. I downloaded on my iPad the Infinity War because mm-hmm. I have seen the movie. So I was like, you know what? I want to see. Like, I know y'all allude to it on the podcast about it's a mixture of a, a few stories. Right. And after reading this, I didn't know how interesting a comic book actually could be. Right. Even though I listened to the show and they all seem to be interested in the comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I still had my doubts, so I downloaded a comic book just so I could start reading on my own. All right. Welcome to the game, my friend. <laughs> Welcome to the game. Well, cool, man. I'm glad that this was a part of it. I'm glad you were part of the show. I want to thank John for being on Comics with Normies. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other episodes, hit us up on Twitter at Normies Podcast or on Facebook at Comics with Normies. Or you can hit me up personally on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. John, if people wanted to chat with you more about this and you want to share your social media with them, where could they find you? Only social media I'm on is on Twitter at JNall, N-A-L-L, 4. I'm not really much of a poster. You know, I, I just comment on other people's things. I follow you, Van, John, and the rest of the crew. Hey, well, we appreciate that. So stop by and give at JNall, N-A-L-L, and then the number four, and just tell them, hey, and that you heard him on Comic with Normies, and that you're glad that he's into reading a couple of comic books these days. And thanks again for listening. You guys keep reading comics out there, and I'll keep finding someone who doesn't. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-99. You will not regret it. Uh.